This is the Sibling Library Podcast. You will know when to start listening when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Welcome to Chapter 6 of Sibling Library, the podcast where we read, share, and repeat. I'm Megan. I'm Julia. And I'm Katie. So I hope everybody had a great New Year's celebration, that everybody's staying safe. Some of our conversation today is going to be around New Year's, and some of it's not. So just join and dive in and enjoy with us. Um, So our roundup today, we're going to talk about kind of bucket list books or New Year's resolution books or books that have been on your shelf for a long time that you want to try to read. Does anybody want to go first? I sure. can go. Oh, go for it, Julia. <laughs> Julia buzzed in first, so go for it, Julia. <laughs> well, I went and looked at my currently reading shelf on Goodreads to see what I had started and probably had to abandon because I had to return to the library and just never went back. Hmm. Um, so I've got three. Uh, I have a children's book called The Trials of Morgan Crow, and it's the first book of the Nevermore series by Jessica Townsend. Don't remember what it's about. I don't think I got very far, but I plan on reading that one. I also plan on finishing The Gratitude Diaries by Janice Kaplan. And the third book that I plan on finishing this year is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, because probably that's one that I should at least say that I've read, not just seen the movie. I can't believe you haven't. I have come close to reading half of it (laughs) Close to half is more than I've done. So all three of these books are books that you have started reading? Yes. Okay. And why are they books that you are drawn to and that you feel like you want to go back to? Well, I... I'm sorry to say, but I liked the cover of The Trials of Morgan Crow. It sounds so like it's, I wanted to try that one. It sounds like it's Edgar Allan Poe inspired based on the title and this, the name of the series that you listed. Is that correct? I've never heard of these. That, I don't know. I just wrote down the titles. I didn't, oh. I didn't look at the description, so I'll, I'll report back. Okay, cool. Uh, the Gratitude Diaries just sounds like everybody needs more gratitude in their yeah. life. And I don't think I need to explain Pride and Prejudice beyond what I already said. No, probably not. Just because it's a classic and mm-hmm. a staple. Yeah. Katie, what's on your bucket list to read for this year? So on my bucket list, I don't know if I'll get to all of these this year, but I'll try to get to at least one of them. They, I have three as well, and they all fall into the camp of they're classics, so I feel like I should have read them at some point in my life. Um, I bought all of these, and actually, I bought four of these books together, but one of them I have read. And I bought them all at Borders, not long after I finished college, and I was, you know, sitting at my my apartment and feeling very much like an adult, and I thought that I should have some classics in my library collection. I remember so. that day. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Yeah, you bought like so, yeah, you bought a bunch of them. Yeah, the the Borders classics, they were all on a table together and I, I felt very sophisticated with this purchase. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> 
the the four of them and the one that I actually have read and I highly recommend and I actually want to reread it at, at some point is actually a collection of two books, um, both by H.G. Wells, The Time Machine and The War of the Worlds. Um, and I really enjoyed reading both of these, um, mostly because I was very impressed by the fact that they were, even though they were written in, I think, the 1900s, like early, late 1800s, yeah, late 1800s, actually, um, they feel very contemporary. They feel like they could have been written today, which I thought was just kind of mind-boggling. I really, I really enjoyed that about it, how, how long ago it was written, but, you know, because they're both science fiction, they're both supposed to be futuristic, but even the language that was used um, felt very contemporary, which I thought was neat. But the three that I have not yet gotten to, and this is probably like 10 years ago, so these have been on my shelf for quite some time collecting dust. And they are A Passage to India by E.M. Forster, The Call of the Wild, and White Fang by Jack London. That one's another collection, two-in-one. And uh, this is going to be the hefty one, Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the one that has felt the most daunting and have, have not uh, cracked that one open for that reason. But um, those are the ones that are on my, uh, my list and list of, of best intentions to, to get to. Have either of you read any of those? Um, I've read Call of the Wild fairly recently, too, within the last couple of years. And do you recommend it? Yeah. Um, it's definitely like it's a classic right so it's written mm -hmm. the way they used to write so there's like zero dialogue in it and it's all narration so parts of it get difficult to follow but once you get warmed up into reading that type of literature um it's pretty good i don't remember a whole lot about it i just remember enjoying it for the most part cool that's mm -hmm. good to know before i head into it isn't that kind of an annoying thing i I'm not someone either who, I think we've talked about this, maybe not on one of our podcasts, but I think we've talked about it just in conversations with each other that I, I wish so much that when I read, I could retain more information. I remember, I always remember if I liked something or if I didn't like it, but in terms of, you know, someone talking about the book and being able to just come up with a synopsis of it off the top of their heads, I mm -hmm. wish I could do that. I find, oh gosh, I cannot do that to save my life. <laughs> Same. And I find that it's easier for me to do that if I go into reading something with a specific focus. Like, mm -hmm. you're reading this through the lens of the theme of love or the theme of greed or, you know, mm -hmm. so, something like that. Where if I'm looking for following a specific line throughout, mm -hmm. then I'm able to remember more specific details. But if I'm just reading for pure pleasure and just trying to read the story then typically I won't remember it a month a month down the road how do you come up with that theme at the start of the book when you don't know much about what the book's about or do you just pick something <laughs> randomly and you and you yeah I don't find I... a way to to look for are those you, things are you talking more about like is that like how you go about picking novels for your students yeah so like if it's a book that I either had to read as a student or a book that I'm looking to teach uh, to my students um then it's easier for me. But like, I we're getting ready to read The Pearl um, starting tomorrow, actually, because we're going back to school. Well, 
starting school again after winter break. Um, and it'll be my, gosh, fourth year in a row reading The Pearl. And I remember all of the specific things dealing with all of the different um, themes that we look at. But there will, without a doubt, be something that happens again in this 90-page novel that because it wasn't directly related to one of the three themes we look at, that I'm like, oh, I totally forgot that happened. And that's a really pivotal plot point. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that made any sense. But All right. I think it's Negan's turn. Okay. So I was going to be super sassy with my response here, but you guys made me think of some another book that I might want to read. Well, add the sass I'm not... at the end, please, because now I'm interested in that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to start with the sass. <laughs> um, I'm not huge into New Year's resolutions. So when this was kind of framed as what are your new, new Year's resolution books that you want to get off your shelf that you've had on your shelf for many, many years... My response was going to be that, because typically if I set a New Year's resolution, I do it for a couple weeks and then give up on yeah. it. Whereas if I decide to make a change in like March, it lasts me the whole year just because it's not a New Year's resolution. It's just I decided I wanted to change something. So I don't know what it is. It's a mental thing. But um, my New Year, what I was going to say for a New Year's resolution book would be Wuthering Heights and... My reason for that is because I will never read Wuthering Heights because <laughs> I have tried about 20 different times and cannot get through the first page. I've so, read it. Well, and I've read Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> is it a Bronte versus an Austin thing for you? I don't know. It's a, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it was just a snooze fest <laughs> from one page yep. maybe start on page two mm. or i just won't do it <laughs> um <laughs> works but my the other book because julia kind of i hadn't thought of like looking at my goodreads shelf and seeing what was still on there because typically if i start something and don't finish it I just take it off my currently reading shelf because it would give me anxiety to see it there like a notification that hasn't been cleared um which bothers me so I wouldn't be able to find it that way but I did remember a book that I started reading in high school Brave New World by Algis Huxley mm. and was really really enjoying it and I don't know why I couldn't finish it I think I had to return it to the library or something um, but I always intended to come back and finish it because I was really, really into it. It's a dystopian um, that was written in the 1930s mm -hmm. that I don't really remember a whole lot of anything other than I was enjoying it. So I had to read that um, one. I, like I don't remember it. what grade, but I had to read it for school. And it was... I did too. Yeah. It's, it's the one where um, people are like every your entire life is kind of being broadcast not your entire life but everyone's kind of being controlled by this broadcast that is co constantly streaming in their homes and they're like not supposed to not be watching it at any point in time there's like all kinds of pills that are being administered it's just a very much you know in this dystopian um, society everyone is very much under under control kind of like a a big brother or a 1983 type of vibe, but with a different spin on it, a different twist. Gotcha. What I remember. Yeah. So sounds like it is highly relevant almost a hundred years later. <laughs> 
funny how that happens. Yeah. And Julia, I'm really sorry. I just realized I was really mean to you <laughs> when you told me you read Wuthering Heights. Can you tell me what you liked about it or didn't like about well, it? You, you, still were, you were still channeling the sass. I was still being sassy. <laughs> I had to read it for a summer project, so I don't have fond memories of it. I just want to let you know I read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you get credit for it. Julia doesn't. Yes, Julia likes do. to do things that she decides to do. Yeah. Don't we all? That's true. Yep. And, that, and that's yeah. a fair and valid way to live nice yeah all three of us have set a goodreads challenge for ourselves as well so it'll it'll mm -hmm. be within that count megan and julia are definitely both ahead of me already and we're not very far into the year yet <laughs> mine are just because i was almost done with them at the end of december so yeah well winning is winning So the meat of our conversation today, it's a new year, so we decided to talk about some Newbery books, which ironically are from last year. Um, so Newbery Award books are juvenile fiction. Um, they're decided on by the ALSC, which is the Association for Library Service to Children, and someday Julia is going to be on this. Yes. I hope. Are we allowed to vote for um, that? You, you know... I had a guest speaker in one of my classes who was a voting member for this, and it is a ton of work. It's like a job unto itself. It kind of sounds like it. When I was looking through the criteria, there really isn't criteria. So it sounds like... No, there. Like when she was talking to us, she said that you can tell the the published books to the self-published books just based on how it comes to you oh for sure like the more the more self-published books they like wrap it in wrapping paper and try to make it all pretty and special and so is that how does it if you're a voting member do you just get books sent to you from whoever's publishing them that year or how do you decide what to read and what to no you have to so from what i gathered you have to like what megan was talking about the criteria which maybe you can go more into because i didn't read the criteria but you have to be able to provide at least one copy of the book to the um alsc Yes. So really, so, okay, what I found online is that um, it says the medal shall be awarded annually to the author of the most distinguished contribution to American literature for children. Um, and really the only, like, requirements are that it has, like, when it was written, so it has to have been written that year or published that year. That one was a little bit foggy, but, like, the time period and when it was written and that the author has to be a citizen or resident of the U.S. Everything else is pretty much, you know, judge's choice. Um, mm -hmm. They define the word distinguished because that's, it's an author of the most distinguished contribution. So they define that word distinguished as marked by eminence and distinction noted for significant achievement, um, excellence and quality, and individually distinct so really there's no real rubric yeah. here um 
So kind of what I took away from that, since it's like really broad and can really be anything, um, I feel like probably the books that are on the Newberry list are a really good litmus test for what was going on in the U.S. in that particular year. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a snapshot of what the big important topics were. Yeah, and uh, I just want to mention that um, the idea for this award was uh, proposed to the ALA by Frederick G. Melcher in 1921, um, and he was he named the award after the British bookseller John Newberry, who lived in the 18th century, and as he told the ALA the purpose um, for this award was, and I quote, to encourage original creative work in the field of books for children, to emphasize to the public that contributions to the literature for children deserve similar recognition to poetry, plays, or novels, to give those librarians who make it their life work to serve children's reading interests an opportunity to encourage good writing in this field. I love that. Um, but yeah, so like Megan said, there isn't a whole lot of criteria. They just have to be able, they have to be a citizen, has to be published in a certain year, and they have to be able to provide at least one copy to the ALCS, A to the ALSC. I didn't think that sounded right. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, that, Um, to your point, Julia, that sounds like a ton of work because it, also, yeah. doesn't sound like there's any requirement or um, criteria that you have to meet to, other than writing it within a certain time frame, and it being, you know, mm-hmm. for the the juvenile level of reading. That, I mean, what I'm trying to say here is they probably have to read a lot of crap <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, kind they of, have to wade through yeah. a lot of, yeah. I would imagine, I don't, I mean, I would hope that they wouldn't have to read everything word for word. I was wondering, do, and do they have to read everything that's submitted or is it kind of the sort of thing that, you know, as people read stuff, they, they discuss have. it and then people will recommend it and more people will choose to read the that book, kind of like word of mouth sort of thing within that group. Yeah, I wish I could remember everything that that guest speaker said because it was really interesting, but... I'm several years removed from that Mm -hmm. class session. Um, But all I remember is that, yeah, it is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of reading, Mm -hmm. Um, which is great, but they don't get paid to do that. Right. (laughs) So it's really a labor of love. So it's, they're really just trying to encourage good writing and promote um, literacy for kids and it seems like it should be a paid but a lot of work paid position yeah i don't think it is i'm pretty sure it was volunteers that's that's ever more impressive yeah yeah and only one book wins the award but um other titles are chosen as runner-ups they're called the honor books which is what we all Mm -hmm. read nice segue Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with a conversation about the Newbery Award winner for 2020, which was a graphic novel called New Kid. 
Um, and the author is blanking on me, Jerry Craft. Yes. Yes. Uh, so the winner was New Kid by Jerry Craft. And it is a graphic novel, and I'll kind of give a brief synopsis, and then you guys can go from there. Um, it's about a black boy who his parents are forcing him to go to private school, even though he really just wants to go to art school. Um, and it's kind of all about him finding a way to fit into a school where he there's only one other kid in that school that looks like him. Um, so it's about essentially giving a view of um, life as an African-American teenager. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I also want to say that this is a really kind of important book to win the Newbery Award because it is the first graphic novel. It's kind of the first recognition that they're giving that um, graphic novels are good literature yeah. and it is very important for kids to read graphic novels. So every time I hear somebody in the library say, get a real book, I'm like, oh no. Can that? It is a real I book. I just died a little yes. inside. <laughs> so... It's super cool that this book that won. That is cool. Yeah. I love me a good graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I have four books on my that I've already read towards my reading goal this year already. And that, that's why I feel pretty confident that I could I can hit 50 because I, I do read a lot of those and they, they are quicker to get through. But they're, they're just as complex and deal with just as... Mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. more yeah. so. Because you can, you can achieve so much more in a panel when you've got a visual along with some words as opposed to a book that would take several pages to achieve the same thing because it's describing, mm -hmm. it has to describe every, all of the surroundings, all of the, you know, the feelings in the room where a picture can just give you the expression. And yeah, it, it just, it, it, it's a different experience, but not in, not in a good or bad way, just a different experience. And it, it, it allows you to get through an, a story kind of in a faster pace you know I, I don't know that's mm -hmm. one way of looking at it but yeah I, I really really enjoyed New Kid and it's I, I saw a lot of parallels I can see you know I think your description uh, was it Julia or Megan that said it's the the winner is, is one that is kind of like a snapshot of what was really relevant to things that went on within that year mm-hmm I mm -hmm. Does make it. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can really see that. Um, I know. You know, we've talked about uh, talked a little bit about it on other episodes. Just so much, so many things um, kind of cropped up out of the um, the 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 Floyd killings and killing, and it it just it started a lot of conversations that I think needed to be had and need to continue. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, this, this book doesn't deal with anything quite as heavy, but, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's a children's book and it's, it's more about, you know, a child's experience walking through the world in the skin that he is in. And it, it deals a lot with microaggressions, which I'll be honest is a term I did not know before this year. <laughs> But it's it's a very it, it's almost more insidious than than outright racism because mm -hmm. it's so it, people that that don't experience it every day 
don't see it and they don't know that it's happening and they don't realize that something that they just said was insensitive and it just perpetuates the insensitivity um, and, right. and, and doesn't validate, um, you know, a person who experiences th that every day. It doesn't, it, 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 don't, it makes it invisible to everyone else, but the person yeah. who has to feel it and experience it every single day. And the really dangerous thing about microaggressions is that if the, the person who is experiencing them mentions them or stands up for themselves, then all of a sudden they become the aggressor and the person yeah. who was, you know, not treating them right all of a sudden becomes the victim. Yeah. Um, that's part of why they're so dangerous. Really good point. And I, I think this this book uh, delves into that in a really, really interesting and realistic way so i really liked it mm -hmm. i really liked yeah, it too. i liked it three <laughs> Six and that's, something that's good <laughs> that's something that's good about juvenile fiction i feel like is it's relatable not just for kids mm -hmm. obviously we're three adults who read children's books for this month and i'm sure i know at least for mine um that i read there's a lot of stuff to dig into yeah um, that if I were reading it with my students or my future potential children, like it would be something that could be a good conversation starter that both the child and the adult would be able to contribute to the conversation. Totally agree. I can see why it won. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Does anybody sure. have anything else specific to new kid that they want to add into the conversation? Read it. <laughs> yeah, read it. I do have one thing, the, the one part about it that really stood out to me that I still remember, because I did read it mm, several months ago, um, so I don't remember everything about it, but one part that kind of stood out for me was um, there's a part where the main character, whose name has escaped me, um, but the main character is riding on the bus from his home to his school and it shows him based on where he is on the bus route completely having to change his posture to oh, like yeah. starting out in his neighborhood where it is predominantly african-american you know starting out where he has to look tough and he has to look like he can take care of himself and then as he gets closer to the white neighborhood where his private school is he has to like shed all of his African, as much of his African-Americanness as he can and look really prim and pop proper just to be able to not scare anyone, essentially. Um, to be non-threatening or to appear non-threatening to people that exactly. would. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like just kind of the lengths at which he had to go to just be safe himself mm -hmm. um, as a, I don't remember if he was a freshman in high school or what grade, but yeah, just to be able to be safe on his way to school was really eye-opening to me. Yeah, thank you for, I think his name is mm -hmm. Jordan. I think the mm -hmm. character's name is Jordan. I'm glad you reminded me of that because I hadn't remembered that that section of it, but now I really do. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It's totally heartbreaking. So again, our uh, conclusion with New Kid by Jerry Craft is pretty much just go read it no matter what age you are um, and if you have kids let them read it with you or read it let them read it after you before you um, but read it for sure 
So we're going to move into talking about our Newberry Honor Books, and each one of us read a different one. Um, does anybody want to go first? Well, I went first in the roundup, so I'll go All first right. now. I read, well, I listened to, um, but I also flipped through the, the actual book, um, Scary Stories for Young Foxes by Christian McKay Heidegger. And going into it, I didn't know exactly what it was, but it's got really beautiful illustrations, um, and it's got cute mm -hmm. little foxes, so mm -hmm. you can't go wrong there. Um, but it, it's really cool the way it's written. It's one main story that is broken up into seven shorter stories, and it's all really interesting the way it's woven together. Um, so basically, seven fox kits, they go out to find the old storyteller because they're really wanting to listen to scarier stories and their mom can tell them and each story builds on itself so at the end of each part of the story one kit goes home because they're too scared um, and by the end of it there's only one kit left to hear the conclusion um, but each part of the story introduces the foxes to like a different type of real world threat that they might actually encounter in real life including Beatrix Potter, which was hmm. quite interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a really fun listen. I think it'd be a pretty quick read, too, if you just picked up the print book. Um, but yeah, Are I really enjoyed it. that they're told, the kind of the cautionary tales that they, they get along the way, are these relatable to... Like are, in telling them, are they like children's stories in the way that it's kind of like a metaphor for something that could happen in a human's life? Or is it really like fox centric, like truly about foxes? No, it definitely could be related to to a human life, as you say. Yeah, no, it was really good. I think you I think you both would like it. Nice. To check what in. Beatrix Potter, she wrote Peter Rabbit. Uh, Peter Rabbit. I don't. I don't want to give any of that away because it was. It oh. was actually the scariest oh. part of the book. You're being. You're being purposefully cryptic. Yes. I don't want to give any oh. of it away. I thought okay. it was really cool. There it goes. <laughs> it was really cool. It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I'm like. Yeah. I'm like you, Katie. I can't always remember plot details or really do a very good synopsis. So I just say it's really. That means cool. it's a. It's a glowing <laughs> recommendation from. Miss Julia, the librarian. Yep. So yeah. what do you think, if you had to guess, or if you were on the ALSC this year, what do you think it was about this book that put it onto the Newbery Honor List? Um, I would say that the story pattern was really unique. It's very insightful. All right. Did you have anything else for your book, Julia, or should we move on to Katie? We should move on to Katie. All okay. right. Katie, tell us about your book. Right. The book that I listened to, I, I listened to it as well, um, just like Julia did, the, it was Genesis Begins Again by Alicia D. Williams. And this book, I was actually surprised, thinking back on it, I, I can tell that it was meant for children. But going into it, I didn't know that that, I didn't realize that was what the Newbery Award was. Um, I probably knew that at some point in my life, but I had forgotten. So thank you guys for the, the little lesson on what a Newbery Award, what the Newbery Award means. Um, but thinking back on it, the, the way that it's written and um, the fact that there's, there's no profanity, um, there's really no 
nothing graphic in nature, but the, the subject matter is really heavy um, and similar to, uh, to New Kid, very heartbreaking in a lot of ways. Um, the story is about a, um, a young girl named Genesis who um, is trying to navigate and cope with a family that is uh, kind of dealing with some, well, her father has some addictions to gambling and to alcohol. And um, she has a lot of self-hatred because of some things that he had said to her while he was, while he was drunk. Um, he, she is very dark-skinned and takes after him. Her mother is very light-skinned. Um, and he had said some things to her, uh, basically saying that, you know, she wasn't his, his daughter. She was supposed to come out looking like her mother, not like him. Um, so she has this, this list that she keeps uh, that was actually started by some people at school that she, that they gave to her. It was a hundred reasons why we hate Genesis. Mm. And yeah. And so there's a lot of, a lot of bullying um, that, that goes on in the story. And, um, you know, she basically found this list and decided she was going to continue adding to it because they didn't actually fill it out with a, a hundred reasons. So she kept it and she internalized all of that and then continued to add to it, added reasons like daily that she hated about herself, um, which was really sad. Uh, and she, um, you know, because of her father's addictions, her family has had trouble uh, staying within a, a consistent house. Uh, they keep getting evicted from, from different places. And um, the, the story opens up. She had just kind of gotten in with a couple of the, the more popular girls at school and they were starting to spend some time with her. They weren't being very nice to her. It seemed like they were spending time with her for the purpose of being mean. Uh, but they, for whatever reason, had agreed to come and spend time at her home. And they, they came with her to spend that time. And once they got there, all of the family's belongings were out on the front lawn because they'd been evicted, um, which, you know, contributed to the bullying. Um, and it's, it was a very specific type of bullying. And that's one of the main concepts in this book. It's a type of um, prejudice that I was aware of, but didn't know there was a word for. Um, and it's colorism. And it's the idea that, you know, within the African-American community, there are you know, the darker you are, the less beautiful or the less um, affluent you probably are. There's this idea that, you know, goes very back really far historically that if you are marrying people of lighter skin, you're quote unquote marrying up um, because you're more passable for a white person. Um, really, really heavy concepts. Um, and these, these were all concepts that were kind of thrown on this, on this young girl by her family. Um, her grandmother talked to her about something called the paper bag test, which essentially um, is, means that if your skin is darker than a paper bag, you can't marry that person because you're not marrying up. Mm. And she herself, her skin is much darker than a, than a brown paper bag. So throughout the book, she's trying to find ways to, um, to straighten her, her natural um, her natural hair and to lighten her skin to the point of exfoliating herself to the point that she's got scabs all over and putting lemon juice on it because she thought that that would do it. 
bleaching herself, a lot of different things. Um, so it's, it, it's very, very heartbreaking. And it, it reminds me of, um, you know, a, a lot of different YA books that you, where, where the, the protagonist in it is, is someone who's very low on self-esteem. But the difference between like this and say, we harp on Bella a lot from Twilight. Um, the difference between this and, and Bella's self-loathing and self-deprecation you know deprecation is there's context for it. You can kind of see where it comes from for her and you can understand it. Because, you know, especially at that age, children and, and you know, young adults even internalize things and feel them so much more intensely because of all the changes that are going on in their bodies. And just some of the things that her family had said to her, even you can tell the adults in the story don't realize the impact that they're having on her um, and, and, and how she's taking some of this information that they're, they're giving her. Um, so it, it's, it's a, it was a really, really, uh, I guess eye-opening is the term that I would use too for me. Um, and I can see why this, to answer your question from before, Megan, why this was on the, the Newbery Award list as an as an honor book um very similar to new kid in the sense that a lot of the concepts within it are are so uh prevalent to things that went on this year and a lot of the conversations that were had um and need, as i said need to continue happening um, i really really recommend this book and it doesn't i don't want to get too far into what happens with the story um, because a lot of what i just described sounds really really sad and upsetting um, there is a lot of uplifting things that happen within the book as well. So, and there's some, some good resolution to some of these things that, that she's dealing with. So I don't, I don't want you to think it's all, you know, doom and gloom, it, all doom and gloom. It's definitely not. Um, there's, there's a hopeful message in there too. And um, I, I, I think it was really, really well written. I was doing some research before we, um, before we started to record on, I just read a couple of articles and one of them had uh, an interview with the author and this was actually a, uh, started as a creative writing project for her. Um, she is a, an, an English, a middle school English teacher, I believe, as, just like Megan. Hey, hey. Um, and kind of coming up through her, uh, it, was, it was part of a creative writing class that she, um, she, it started out as more of a short story and it was very um, autobiographical initially. Um, and then as she continued to develop the story, um, she, she, pulled herself away from it and created, you know, like, so some of it is, is stuff that she may have experienced, but it's, it's very much a work of fiction. Um, because if she had kept it the way it was, it would have been set in the 1970s and she wanted it to be contemporary. So mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, it's not her, but some of what, um, what is in there is a reflection of, um, of some of her experiences. And, um, and, you know, in, in one of the, in the interview that I read, you know, she, she expressed that if she wanted anyone to take anything from her book, because there's so, there's so many different themes wrapped up in this and so many different concepts that are there to unpack. Um, there's a lot that you can take from it, but if you want to take from what, from it, what the author really intends um, is that you're good enough. You're always good enough. Mm -hmm. And no matter what the world tells you, you're always going to be good enough. And you need to find a way to believe that in yourself. So there's the kind of the hopeful message for it. Um, but I, I could not recommend this enough. It, it was fantastic to listen to. 
Um, I, I don't know what the experience would be like actually reading it. Um, it was, I really liked having, you know, some of the, some of the vocal performance pregnant pause yeah <laughs> i i really uh, kind of to circle back I, I enjoyed listening to it i liked the the performance that the um that the the narrator gave um so i i definitely recommend the the audio version but um i'm sure it's just as enjoyable to read it in a, a physical book as well nice thank you any other questions or comments or anything that you want to add jewel i got nothing <laughs> nope Okay. Okay, so it was thorough. Yeah, you were very thorough. You did. <laughs> Sorry, I rambled. No, you didn't ramble. It was all very important. Um, when you say you don't know how to give a synopsis of a book, you are lying through your teeth. Yes. Well, I also <laughs> re reread a couple of synopses prior to doing this. That was part of what my, what my prep was because I knew I wouldn't okay. be able to do it very well. So. I am not lying through my teeth. I prepped for that. Nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I guess it's my turn. Quite. Quite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I read the book Other Words for Home by Jasmine Warga. Um, this was published in 2019. And the reason I'm saying that is because there were some passages in this that were extremely relevant to, to 2020. I know that it was just one year earlier, but like, creepy relevant um maybe not creepy relevant but pretty relevant um so mm -hmm. it's a novel that is written in verse um the main character is a girl named jude who leaves her home country of syria uh to come to the united states with her pregnant mother um and they she and her mother are coming to live with um her mother's brother so her uncle um and they leave behind uh jude's father and older brother essentially in a war zone. Um, so they're fleeing Syria for a safer environment for her mother to give birth, essentially. Um, and it's pretty much a story of Jude trying to find her identity after she's completely plucked out of the uh, environment where everything defined her, right? So she leaves Syria to come to the U.S., a complete 180 in regards to culture, environment, um, you know, the way life is lived, essentially. She's taken away from most of her family, from her friends, from her language. She comes thinking that she speaks English, but really she only has a few conversational phrases. Um, and she, one of her classes is an ESL class, which is English as a Second Language, or ELD, English Language Development, um, which is where she kind of really starts to find her footing um, in, in the U S. Um, but there's a passage, there's a couple passages that I want to share. Um, and this is the one that is kind of 2020 in a nutshell. Uh, and again, this is a novel written in verse. So it was really quick to get through, which I love. Uh, I love reading books quickly. Um, <laughs> but she says, um, I just want to live in a country where we can all have dinner again without shouting about our president or rebels and revolution. I mean, how accurate is that to 2020? Well, that was definitely happening in 2019 as well. I mean, that's been happening for a long time, but super relevant to 2020. Yeah. It kind of came to a head. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. So what I really liked about this book is that it really 
um, to touch back on something that I said earlier is that juvenile fiction isn't just good for kids. Like it's, this book is really, really good evidence of that because it touches on such important topics that are relatable for any age. Um, things like privilege, um, the responsibility that comes with luck. And there's something else that I want to read for that one. Let me find it quickly. Um, so like you think about, you know, you're lucky in something and that, that you have no control over that, but you have kind of control over how you respond to that and how you, whether you feel grateful for it or whether you just kind of brush it off. So mm -hmm. um, she wrote, I search every day for a clue about why I deserve to be here in Aunt Michelle's kitchen, safe and fed when so many others just like me are not lucky. I am learning how to say it over and over again in English. I'm learning how it tastes sweet with promise and bitter with responsibility. Um, so I just thought that was really poignant. Oh, goosebumps. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's something that I feel often, like, why am I so lucky to be in a situation where I've found the love of my life? I have a supportive family. I have all of these things that I don't necessarily feel like I did anything to deserve, but now I have a responsibility to kind of do something with them. Right. And not just feel lucky, like, because mm -hmm. it, there are so many people that aren't that lucky. Um, and then another topic in this book that I feel is uh, relevant for both kids and adults is the theme of adulting in general. Like <laughs> in this case, the mom has to make that decision to, to leave her home country because it just wasn't safe to have her third child there. It just wasn't safe. The war was getting closer and closer to their front door every single day. Um, so yeah. I think, in my opinion, a great YA book or juvenile book is one that can be read when you're a young adult or a child and relate to it then, but then can also be read as an adult and still relate to it. Um, and then there's just one more quote, or this one was a proverb. She included a lot of Syrian proverbs, which was really cool, um, or Arabic proverbs, excuse me. Um, and this was my favorite one. Um, there's an Arabic proverb that says she makes you feel like a loaf of freshly baked bread. It is mm -hmm. said about the nicest, kindest people, the type of people who help you rise. So, Oh, I love that. Um, so if anything, that's that kind of connected with me because that's what I would like to be as a teacher. That's how I would like my students to feel about me, that I was nice, kind, and helped them rise, I guess. Yeah, I love that. Highly recommend it. Other Words for Home by Jasmine Warga. So I guess to answer my own question, <laughs> I think it was definitely the, uh, the subject matter that put this book onto the Newberry Honor, uh, honor list. Um, if we're thinking of looking for books that help people either see themselves be represented um, who aren't typically represented in the in the media or also um, trying to peer into someone else's uh, experience. I think this book was great for, for both of those. All right, so Julia, tell us what you've read recently and what you've got in the hopper. So recently, I have been reading a bunch of different things. 
Uh, I read Betsy, a memoir by Betsy Johnson, who is a fashion designer. And that was uh, really cool to hear about her life and how she got into fashion and created her little empire. Um, I am also reading We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter. Uh, this is part of an online book club that I'm part of. And it's about a Polish family during World War II. Uh, so there's a lot of history that it's fiction, but there's a lot of history thrown in there as well. Um, it's a Polish Jewish family, I should say. Um, so it's kind of heartbreaking to hear about the things that happened. Um, about halfway done with that. And I am finishing Krampus the Yule Lord by Brahm. Yeah, which is a fun read. Um, it is classified as a science hmm. fiction, though I don't, not sure why. Maybe Katie can read it and tell me. Um, but I sure. am enjoying it because Krampus is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and in the hopper, I have Joe and Lori, uh, which are is a book about. Joe and Lori from Little Women. Um, I think it is a YA book. It's written by Margaret Stoll and Melissa De La Cruz. And this is my Yola Book of Lot present nice. to myself. <laughs> I will be going back to the We Were the Lucky Ones. Just the title of that is making me feel like it might uh, be relatable to kind of what I was talking about with my book um, yeah. about having you know, when you're lucky, you, you, you're grateful to feel lucky, but it's also that bitter feeling of, well, there were other people that weren't lucky. So I'd be mm -hmm. curious to hear, uh, what you think of that book once you're done with it. And I might read that one too. Yeah. I keep reading it and thinking, um, Megan, your fiance, Chris could help me with, uh, the pronunciations of street names <laughs> and, <laughs> Places Definitely. in Poland. Yes. For those of you that don't know, my fiance, Chris, hi, Chris, um, mm -hmm. is born, was born in Poland um, and immigrated to the U.S. when he was about four and a half. So Poland is a pretty cool place. If you are looking to go to Europe and want to go somewhere that's pretty affordable, but is very, very rich in history that goes back to like the 400s. Um, yeah, definitely go to Poland. Poland is your jam. Poland is your jam. Katie? Um, I have not been reading a ton lately. I've got to ramp that up now that I've challenged myself. Um, I've been working my way through a omnibus of a graphic novel series called Strangers in Paradise. I'm in the second fat book of the omnibus. <laughs> I'm almost halfway through it. Um, so I hope to finish that. And I also just started a gift from... Um, Adam, Julia's significant other. Hi, Adam. Uh, hi, hi, Adam. Adam. Um, that he gifted to me on Christmas, and it's uh, John Constantine Hellblazer, Volume One, also a graphic novel by Simon Spurrier. Nice. So I started and I started that and read the first issue, and it's it's gonna be a good one. So finish that one up, and then at some point I'll start Crime and Punishment. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be my next book. I'm still feeling very intimidated by this thing. Or you can be like me um, and be sassy and just leave it on that bookshelf. Just like, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I, I, sh I should at least give it a try. I don't know if I'll, it, it looks pretty dense, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's on my list. 
Um, and that's, that's all I have planned at, at this point. I'm going to be kind of fluid with my book choices going forward. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to see where the wind takes me. Nice. Your turn, Megan. Okay. Um, <laughs> so since the last time we talked, I finished reading the first book of The Land of Stories. Um, and then I got into one of the things I treated myself with. Um, I've talked about this book club before, Once Upon a Book Club. But one of the things I, I bought myself for Christmas was uh, they did a 12 Days of Book Club Miss Advent calendar. Um, and Ooh. they published... Uh, a collection of 12 short stories that were written specifically for this purpose. And within each short story, you get a gift that ties in with the story. Um, so I've finished that uh, and it was really cool. And with it came four full-length novels. Like the gifts for four of the 12 short stories were full-length novels. And um, I, of the four, the one that I looked at and was like, yes, I want to read this right now. It's called Dreamland Burning by Jennifer Latham. Um, and it's about, it's historical fiction, but also a mystery. And the historical fiction part is centered around the Tulsa race riots from 1921, um, which is something that I feel like I am extremely embarrassed and dumbfounded that I didn't know existed until last year. Like, I feel like it is... Uh, such a, a failure of uh, U.S. history that it's not in the history books. Um, and I'm hoping that that changes, obviously. Um, but it was really good, a really good read. It's YA, so it definitely could have gotten much darker than it did. But since it was YA, it stayed um, pretty... I could read it and still sleep at night. Um, essentially. Uh, so I highly recommend that one. And then what I've got in the hopper next is the second book of the Land of Stories series. Hello listeners, this is Julia. I wanted to come with an afterword with a couple of corrections from our previous episode. We misspoke and said the author of The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom was Mitch Album. And that is not true, so I just wanted to give credit where credit is due, and this book was written by Don Miguel Ruiz. I also did not have the correct pronunciation of the Christmas book flood in Icelandic. It is Yola Bokaflot, and we are very much looking forward to celebrating it again this coming holiday season. Thank you. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got. So until next time, read, share, and repeat. Bye. Bye. At least the English major of the three of us has read it. Yeah. <laughs> I read it in high school. I was one of the... Oh, you guys have cut out again. I hear you. I can't hear you. Still not? I still can't hear you. <laughs> should it's like it's like she knows horrible. what you're saying <laughs> should can we you guys hear me yes can yes. you hear us it's, i don't think it's my headphones are you punking us I still can't hear you oh boy what happens if i unplug <laughs> <laughs> hello 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 should... can you hear me katie text <laughs> Are you there, God? <laughs>
Oh, God. <laughs> it's me, Giraffe. <laughs> well. <laughs> That brings us to a close on this chapter of Sibling Library. Thank you for listening. Until next time, let's read, share, and repeat. <laughs>